The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, just four authors have ever won the prestigious Pulitzer Prize for fiction twice, and my next guest is one of them. His latest book, which has been described as a captivating crime thriller that intricately weaves cultural history, family drama and social commentary against the backdrop of 1970s New York, is the second in a trilogy. It's called Crook Manifesto. It's out now. Colson Whitehead, how are you? Uh, very good, very good. Glad to be here. It's lovely to talk to you. Now, this is the second in a trilogy, but I want to talk about the setting, the setting of New York in the 1970s. Why so? Well, I mean, uh, the first book uh, takes place in the 1960s, uh, following five years in the life of one person, Ray Carney, a uh, furniture store owner who moonlights as a fence, uh, recirculating um, stolen goods. And I got the idea to uh, make, the, make, the ser- make it into a series of three books and follow him over 30 years, follow his ups and downs, and also New York City. And so New York City... Uh, we're, you know, taking a snapshot of in the 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s, uh, with two dynamic central characters. One of the big challenges, of course, for New York in, in the 70s is it's very much a city on the turn, and that is what happens to Carney: is he gets caught up in it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a, a crime uh, writer. Uh, I'm not in the crime writers' union, so I'm taking what I what I want from the tradition and, and borrowing and subverting and using things for my own ends. And one thing I, always, I like in that tradition is the story of the criminal who tries to go straight, uh, but they keep pulling him back in. And so at the beginning of this novel, uh, Ray Carney uh, is on the straight and narrow, but he needs Jackson five tickets for his daughter, and that leads him into uh, temptation. It is it, it is a thing that uh, presumably every parent feels. I mean, it happened with Taylor Swift so recently, but not not many of them would go down the route of Carney, uh, it has to be said. Uh, and then he got involved with his old buddy Munson. Who's a, who's a, you know, a, a correct, uh, a, a corrupt uh, policeman, uh, kind of a fixer who has contacts in all different parts of the city. And he, he, he can get these sold out Jackson 5 tickets uh, for Carney but at a price. And once uh, Carney uh, decides to take him up on it, uh, he's back in the game. And that sets the stage for the other two stories in the book um, in 1973 and 1976. Uh, we're going to talk about, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to give too much of the book away here, but I'm going to talk about the first incident, which I have to say is is very visual. It's it's using the backdrop of Carney's furniture shop uh, for a black exploitation movie, which kind of it very much brings up memories in my mind, or at least thoughts of 1970s New York, and not what you should be using a furniture shop for. No, well, you know, there's a um, there are a few characters from the first book who, who reappear in bigger roles, and one of them is a, a character named Zippo, who was an amateur pornographer, uh, somebody who would take uh, exotic uh, photographs of, of couples. For their uh, for their enjoyment, he's grown up and now he's a film director and he's filming a black exploitation movie in Harlem. And I get to play with you know the idea of these actors who are playing criminals uh, who get inducted into a criminal scheme themselves unknowingly, and um, you know the interplay between the real and the fake is part of uh, what, what the story is about. Uh, fast forward to 1976, then a big year for the states, 200 years old. Um, it was very much a city in financial crisis at that point. And that was that was impacting everybody. But 
uh, if we can call it Carney's good streak comes out. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, he's um, you, you know, the, the city is, is is bankrupt. You know, uh, it, it, you know, it's um, it's running out of cash to pay for city services, and crime is at an all time high, and um, uh, but people always need furniture, so Carney Carney's hanging in there. And if you, you know, I, I focus on on different years that could give me friction for my story. And 1976 is a big one. It's it's the uh, the American bicentennial, 200 years since the revolution. And um, of course, there's a lot of uh, distance between American ideals and how we actually treat each other. Um, you know, I think the bicentennial means one thing to Black Americans and something different for White Americans. And so. Um, there's a lot of tension there that I, I can exploit for the story, and also, you know, to um, show a different side of 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 of, uh, of, 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 of Carney's country. Mm. What are the challenges that people face? I mean, if I think of of New York City in the seventies and eighties, and again, um, I, I was rather young at the time, didn't get a chance to visit it, but the impression that was always given was that you know it was rough, it was lawless, it was dirty, it was grimy. Um, in many ways, the, the morality of the city was reflected in Ray Carney because he was trying to navigate that griminess with the good parts of the city that were trying to break through. Sure. Well, you know, I mean, the, the title of the book is Crook Manifesto, and it comes from uh, one character's idea that, uh, you know, there are some things he will do and some things he won't do. And, you know, across the, the two books, I'm following these different degradations, these, these different gradations of, uh, of corruption and, and criminality. How bad is uh, Ray Carney uh, as he recirculates stolen goods, previously owned goods, when we meet murderers, corrupt politicians, um, Wall Street fat cats who are up to all sort of, you know, terrible things. And so, uh, uh, you know, compared to some of the other characters we meet across the, the books, and what they're engaged in, Carney isn't, you know, so bad at all. If you think about it, <laughs> yeah, he's one of the good guys. If we if even portray him as such, but again, the challenge you have here, there's a couple of challenges you have, Colson. Number one, this is the mid book, so in other words, you know, you have to write another one afterwards. And I'm presuming that if it's not written yet, it's, it's plotted out in your head. So there's that pressure on you to to maintain the standard. And the second pressure is that you're a two-time Pulitzer winning author, which means that everybody uh, expects every word to be absolutely perfect. How, how do you cope with that kind of pressure when you're trying to do something that should be enjoyable? Well, in terms of, of other people's expectations, you know, they're exactly that, other people's expectations. And I have my own sort of standards to live up to uh, that keep me busy and preoccupied without worrying about what some abstract critic or reader wants from me. So I don't think about that, but yes, I, I, I am trying to make each, each book, uh, uh, you know, live up to its promise. You know, I think as a child of the seventies and eighties, my model for a trilogy is uh, Star Wars, and so you have Star <laughs> Wars, then you go up, you go up in quality for Empire, and then down in quality for Return. <laughs> so I'm hoping for a Star Wars Empire Empire level. And, yeah, okay. And, I, 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 I'm, I'm not... totally on the same page as you, by the way. That, that is a beautiful <laughs> analogy for our generation. It really is. Uh, what, are, what are the things as well that, that happens to authors? And I speak to a lot of authors about this. Um, w- when you do write a book that is, is well received, 
and then you have to kind of, you know, hand it over to someone to make it into a film. How difficult is that? Because I know you, you did that with Underground Railroad and the adaption that went up on, on Amazon Prime. Uh, you know, were you happy with the final outcome on that? Do you feel it reflected the book properly? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was Barry Jenkins who, you know, came into prominence with uh, the movie Moonlight. And um, he, he assembled his own heist crew. He got 150 people to work on this film for, you know, two years. Uh, from the, the set designers to the uh, costume designers, the composer. Um, there's a guy who specialized in mid-century uh, black men's haircuts, and he was on set. And they really pulled off this beautiful thing. It's one of the you know, most moving things uh, that's ever happened to me in my life. And so uh, Underground Railroad turned out great. Harlem Shuffle, you know, there's been interest, and we were talking to people uh, in Hollywood this, fall, this spring and then the, the writer strike happened. So uh, we'll resume when the strike is over, or maybe I'll finish the third book. But I think, um, you know, from from the conversations I've had, people are, are pretty excited to, to to work on on Carney's story on on the screen. Have Have you a Ray Carney in mind? You know, um, I don't. You know, I um, my characters exist in their their plot roles and then their thematic roles and. They become more and more full as they get on the page. But the last thing I see, and, and mostly t- most times I never see it, is uh, their faces. And so I, I don't really think about what the characters look like um, in that real sort of granular detail. Uh, no, when I saw in, the Underground Railroad... You're in their, yeah, you're in their head, you see. That's the problem. You you are those characters, effectively. You don't, exactly. you don't realize what they I'm look like. I'm seeing through their eyes, so I don't see what, you know, what they look like. And so, you know, with the casting of Underground, it was so wonderful to see, oh, there's Cora, there's Caesar, all these people who I lived with, but didn't actually visualize, you know, to that detail. And, and they cast it perfectly. Well, Crook Manifesto is out right now. Uh, you can get your hands on it. When is the third one uh, coming out? Or have you, you haven't finished it yet by the sound of it. I have not. I'm on, I'm age, I'm on, I'm on page 52. I've been, uh, I've been on 52 for the last couple of months. And so... Uh, once I, I'm done talking about the book, you know, in, in the fall, I'll go back to work. And I'm really excited. OK, well, here's hoping it is a return of the Jedi uh, in, in the quality uh, that comes out of it. Uh, however, people. Yeah, might feel Empire. About that. Em- Star Wars Empire, Empire, definitely. Empire, yeah, yeah. We'll avoid Jedi. Uh, Camille, it's been a pleasure. Colson Whitehead, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, take care. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.